You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. I am Joe DeLeon, as always, joined by my partner on this show, Chris Flum. Today on the Chris and Joe Show, we are going to be exploring a interesting topic of discussion as we're going to be doing throughout the remainder of this offseason leading into the preseason. We decided to come up with some fun things to discuss, and today's episode is going to be about the topic of guys that we consider to be breakout candidates thanks to the new coaching staff that the Giants added this past offseason under Joe Judge, offensive coordinator Jason Garrett, and defensive coordinator Patrick Graham, as well as a number of position coaches that could also help improve the development of some guys that maybe were a little bit under the radar or at times underperformed because of various issues. And we have a pretty interesting list here that we're going to go over today, Chris. Some guys that are bigger name players that could really flourish. Some guys that have underperformed, like I said, but now with a a different schematic outlook could have a bigger impact come game day. And the first guy, though, is a little bit of a different case than the rest because he's been injured. He hasn't been on the field fully. And maybe you could chalk that up to not really really being put in situations that keep him healthy because of his issues. And that is tight end Evan Ingram, who I've seen time and time again, Giants fans calling Ingram already a pretty significant bust because he hasn't played Uh, a full season because of injury issues. I'm still in the camp, Chris, and I don't know about you, that I think Evan Ingram, if he can stay healthy, is going to be a really, really good tight end throughout the remainder of his career. And I think if you ask anyone who actually puts on the tape and analyzes Evan Ingram, they're all going to say that Ingram, in terms of just straight talent, is a top 10 tight end in this league. But the thing that's really held him back is not being on the field. The big thing here, though, Chris, is that seeing how he can be worked into a new offensive scheme that tends to benefit tight ends and their performances. Yeah, I definitely agree with you with Evan Ingram. I am pretty solidly on the record as a fan of his. I I think he has a ton of untapped upside. You know, both, as you said, because of his injuries, but also because of how he was used or how he wasn't used by Ben McAdoo and Pat Shermer. And I... I do think that that usage did contribute to his injuries over the seasons. Generally speaking, slot guys who play at the slot play over the middle, like how Engram was used. They tend to be more injured than guys who play a more vertical game, which when you think about it, they're running parallel to the line of scrimmage across the field. They're going to have more guys coming at them. And they're less able to use their athleticism to protect themselves. So that kind of makes sense. I also happen to believe that Ingram is 
wildly underrated by Giants fans as a blocker. I think there's a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of nostalgia for Mark Bavaro, but that just isn't how tight ends play anymore. And honestly, I have my doubts as to whether or not Bavaro could be as dominant today as he was back in the eighties, but that's a whole other topic. I, and I think I've drawn en- enough hate for one episode already, but yeah, the moving back to Evan Ingram and the air Coriel, it really does. The scheme really does work to a tight ends advantage because it uses the receivers to stretch the field, stretch the defense and create holes that a tight end, especially an athletic one, like, you know, Kellen Winslow was the original, but also Evan Ingram and Antonio Gates, if you're looking for a more modern analog, guys like that can exploit those windows. Also, just kind of trying to translate the classic Air Coriel defense that Jason Garrett, or Air Coriel offense that Jason Garrett runs to the Giants personnel. I have to wonder if Evan Ingram might not be a uh, the Giants' best bet for an X receiver. Now, I absolutely do not believe that he should be moved to receiver. I believe his flex his flexibility and versatility and athleticism are too dangerous to move away from the tight end position. But just as that vertical field stretching threat, you know, he has a level of athleticism that the Giants don't really have elsewhere. He yeah you you can compare him to a julio jones a dk metcalf uh or a number of these other big athletic receivers it's just that he happens to be able to do it when when matched up against a strong safety or a linebacker and the giants don't really have that true x receiver elsewhere on their roster so i think that's a role ingram could fill and I think that could work very well with his skill set. With talking about Evan Ingram and, and the ways that he could now contribute going forward, we do kind of have to go a little bit back into the past when the Air Coriel offense was first being utilized and when it was at its full peak. That was when Don Coriel was the head coach of the San Diego Chargers. He had previously implemented with implemented it with other teams before he was fired, and then also most notably at. Uh, San Diego State, where he essentially created this offensive scheme through variations of what Sid Gilman was doing. But when it was most successful was through the usage of a guy that you mentioned, Chris, that being Kellen Winslow. I think he wasn't the first true receiving tight end, but he was one of the first guys to be the focal point of an offense. And the way that they used him and implemented him and also focused on getting him the football translates to variations of this Air Coriel offense and how different coaches have used it. So the Jason Garrett version is going to be significantly different. Even even just looking at the fact that Jason Garrett, or uh, last time he used this this offense and he ran and coached it, the last time he called plays was in 2012. So we're going to see an even more modernized version, I would assume, taking things that he's seen and worked out out through the past eight or so years. That's a long time in the NFL in terms of changing and adjusting to things that, that you've seen and taking the things that you like. But what we know is that when Jason Garrett was running this, he was just as intent on finding ways to get Jason Garrett the ball. I pulled up one game from 2011 with the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Redskins. And even though Witten was 
Jason Witten was very locked down in a number of situations. I don't know if it was Tony Romo's instinct to get him the ball or if it was something that was coached. If you can't find anything, go to Jason uh, Witten as your as your outlet guy if you're in a tough situation. But there were a lot of really tight windows that Tony Romo was quick to get the ball to him, even though they were incompletions. They're going to find more and more ways for Evan Ingram to get the ball if he's healthy, he's on the field. He has an even more athletic skill set than Jason Witten does. They're completely different players. And I think Ingram, if you can get him in space, he can create mismatches with linebackers and, and safeties as we've seen before. But now we can see him being used in a completely different schematic approach. Yeah, I, or I would at least hope so. <laughs> I I would be severely disappointed if all we see Evan Ingram do are three and five yard crossing routes again. I, at that point, just for his own benefit, I would hope the giants would trade him because they clearly cannot figure out how to use a guy who should be one of the biggest offensive mismatches in the NFL. So I, I, I would be very disappointed in Jason Garrett and the giants. If we don't see Evan Ingram's usage change. And you you do make a good point that he and Witten are two different guys. You know, Witten is one of the savviest route runners I think the NFL has ever seen. Even as old as he is now, he still has the ability to not just know, but understand defensive coverages, coverage shells, how to find open spots where they will be and when, and to position himself so there's just not going to be any defenders near him, even though I think I'm faster than him at this point. And that's that's not saying much. (laughs) But what Ingram, that's not to say Ingram is a bad route runner, but he just doesn't have the experience and the savvy that Witten does. But he is just on a completely different planet as an athlete. I think it will that will be one of the things that is really worth following, especially through training camp and early this year, is how Evan Ingram is used. Because this could set up to be, I'm a little loath to say breakout year, considering how good his rookie season was, but this could be a breakout year for Evan Ingram, or at least a year that reminds everybody why he was a first-round pick. And also for some additional context, Jason Witten in his time with the Dallas Cowboys had 14 straight seasons with 60 or more receptions. He also had one with 110 receptions, seven 900-plus receiving years, and then eight five-plus touchdown seasons. So again, very different players. We can't 100% guarantee if that is how things are going to translate. But the fact that Jason Witten ran a very diverse route tree very much more diverse than a lot of different teams use and that we've seen Evan Ingram use in his time with the Giants it is a lot of uh, of promise for a guy like Evan Ingram and if Evan Ingram can't stay on the field keep your eyes peeled for someone like Caden Smith finding ways to contribute and the Giants still working in ways to get the ball to uh, the multitude of tight ends that they have uh, the next guy that we want to talk about here is Darius Slayton and he has been a growing name outside of the circle of people who analyze the New York Giants. I keep seeing his name popping up on articles from bigger outlets saying that Darius Slayton is a second-year breakout candidate. And what he was able to do in his rookie year towards the end of his rookie season, I think opened the eyes of a lot of people. Now, we have always been talking very highly of Darius Slayton because we watched him uh, very closely. and We got to see him every single week and analyze what he was doing. But now that there's a completely different offensive scheme 
And again, we have, we're going to kind of relate this all back to the Air Coryell and what it means for Darius Slayton. Because there's this new scheme, I think it really benefits the skill set that Darius Slayton has. And if you don't know how the Air Coryell works, the, the goal is to stretch the field with deeper passing concepts and then also having dump-off situations for things that are, are short and to intermediate that can at least allow if those deep passing options aren't open for the quarterback to dump the ball off to. And Darius Slayton, we saw flourish in these situations where they asked him to run really deep routes and was able to sneak his way through coverage or beat guys in man coverage to pick up these huge gains. He didn't really do a whole lot when you were trying to find him the ball in short to intermediate situations. He He's not that type of a player. I think that his his skill set is go, 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 use your deep speed and beat the guys that are supposed to be covering you. And with a lot of these deep passing concepts that are going to be used in this offense, Darius Slayton, like I've said, has the perfect receiving skill set to work well on the outside uh, for this Jason Garrett offense. I have seen more than a few Giants fans say, you know, maybe Darius Slayton could be the Giants' number one receiver. I've said before, I don't want to hang that on him. I do, however, think he could be the Giants' Miles Austin. Just think back a few years to how many times the Giants would look like they had the Cowboys offense pretty much figured out, pretty much locked down, and then all of a sudden, Miles Austin would go streaking down the field for 30 yards. And it would be absolutely maddening. And I think that is the role that Darius Slayton could have in this offense. A more vertical passing game will definitely play to his skill set because that was a lot of what he did at Auburn. He basically ran two routes, either a go route or a comeback route. And they basically, if the defender was ready for the go route, they, they call the comeback and if, or vice versa. So this I think will play to what Slayton does well with his explosive athleticism. I also think, you know, we do, we concentrate on what the new coaching staff can do for the players. I'm excited to see what another year with Tyke Tolbert can do for Darius Slayton because Tolbert is one of the best receiving coaches in the NFL. He is a former NFL receiver. He knows the game from between the lines and he knows how to translate that to young players. And I do believe Slayton does have plenty of room for growth. I would like to see him get better at generating separation with his route running. Yeah, maybe not necessarily in the short area of the field, but just down the field, if he can use his routes to better generate separation, incre- increase the size of catching windows, I think that will go a long way to help the offense as a whole and him in particular. Because last year... You know, despite all the good plays we saw from him, he had one of the worst separation rates in the NFL. And this is going by NFL's next-gen stats. He only averaged 2.2 yards of separation per route run. That is pretty low. That was only the, or that was the seventh lowest of all qualifying receivers and tight ends in the league last year. So there is definitely room for improvement. And I think another year working with Tolbert will help him make that improvement. That separation rate was obviously a big issue for him, and I think that's a big reason why he didn't produce more than he did. He could have been more productive if he was able to get off of uh, some of the guys that were covering him a little bit easier. 
but and I, I would say more consistently productive. Yeah, more and be more consistently productive because there were some games where he disappeared a little bit and we didn't really see much from him. But the thing I see with Slayton is not leading the team in targets and having some ridiculous receiving total at the end of the season. I instead see other guys like Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate benefiting from defenses worrying about a deep threat like Darius Slayton and then leaving those guys open. And then I see a guy like Slayton, if they make mistakes and not properly pick up Slayton running a deep passing concept um, completely away from the play, I can see him having a couple to a handful of 100-yard receiving games. I don't think he needs a ton of receptions. We saw that last year. I don't think he needs to have a 10-reception game. I think that he is the perfect guy as a deep threat to benefit from four or five receptions and turning that into 100-plus yards because he's a a good burner. He just needs the space to get open and go make those plays. Chris, the last group that we want to talk about here is not a specific player. It is a full position group. That is the Giants' offensive line. And with so many offensive line issues over what seems to be basically a decade at this point, anything can really have a bigger impact in improving this offensive line. It wouldn't really take much to see a progressive step forward. And they invested a lot of draft picks this upcoming year in young guys. There's a relatively young core now for this offensive line group. But I think the biggest sign of positivity is Mark Colombo, a a very good offensive line coach coming to the Giants and then now working with and developing this group. And he most notably worked with and developed that Cowboys offensive line that was very, very good for a long period of time and still is pretty good towards the top half of the league in terms of uh, talent along the offensive line. So having a guy like him is going to be very, very key and and helpful with working with Andrew Thomas, Matt Peart, Will Hernandez, all these young guys that are going to be the faces of the offensive line going forward. This is another case where the Giants have a former player as a coach. You know, Colombo, I believe, played for the Dallas Cowboys before becoming a coach. So not only does he know this blocking scheme inside and out, yeah. He knows it. He knows how to be taught it, so he knows how to teach it, if that makes any sense. So having a guy who has been on basically both sides of the classroom teaching this offensive line, I think will help. Also, he does tend to favor a more power-oriented, a man-gap style offensive line, or yeah, approach along the offensive line. And I think that will play to Andrew Thomas, Will Hernandez, Kevin Zeitler, their strengths as offensive linemen. You know, they're not bad athletes by any stretch, but they're guys who are generally better when they put a hat on a hat and just try to go forward and beat the defensive linemen in front of them. You know, they're guys who generally... don't do as well in a more finesse-based scheme. And I think that Colombo favoring that and teaching that will work to their advantage. With the skill set of the offensive line, too, like you just said, it it really works with what Colombo is going to be teaching and implementing because they've got a lot of really strong dudes that we've seen them push guys around and and bury people. And now if you 
go f- going forward, work with your group to focus on those strengths. I think that is going to be huge for the development of a, a promising offensive line unit that that now looks pretty good after what they did in the NFL draft. We've got two more guys we want to talk about on the defensive side of the ball, but before we get to that, we're going to take a really short commercial break. Patrick Graham is the new defensive coordinator for this Giants team going forward, and we've talked a little bit about what he is going to be bringing to this Giants team schematically. Nick Filato talked a little bit about it when we were talking about Xavier McKinney and the way that he's going to work his way in. And it's not 100% easy to really understand what Graham is going to be doing because he had a very, very weak talent pool to work with in his time with the Miami Dolphins. But we can get a general idea of how he works with players' strengths, try to create, tries to create confusion, mismatches, all of that good stuff. But the one thing that I think we can very easily compare this Giants defense to the Miami Dolphins defense is Dexter Lawrence to Christian Wilkins, both former Clemson football players and then also rookies this past year. Similar builds, similar play styles. And I would argue Dexter Lawrence is much more talented than Wilkins And I think he's going to be a lot more productive. So the reason why I think that he is our first defensive player, though, Chris, is that this Patrick Graham scheme thrives off of shifting movement, creating confusion. And then what that then allows a guy like Lawrence, who's quick-footed, strong, explosive, is to create space and get through off of stunts, but also create pressure by allowing other guys to be set free because you need to occupy multiple blockers on a guy like Lawrence. I think he has that exact... um, that exact skill set that you really want in a a big space-eating defensive tackle, but the way that we saw Wilkins be productive last year was not just taking up space, but rather creating pressure and and moving offensive linemen off the spot that they're supposed to be hitting. Yeah, and I think that's a mistake a lot of people make looking at Dexter Lawrence. You see a guy who's 6'5", 340, and say, oh, he is a rock. He is a nose tackle. He is a guy you put in the middle of a defense to clog up interior running lanes and you know eat up double teams and don't ask him to move a whole lot. But... That really isn't Lawrence's game. You know, he really is a upfield penetrator. He is a guy who is at his best when he's either getting a one-on-one or attacking a gap and trying to attack into the backfield. We saw on occasion, especially after the Giants added Leonard Williams last year, they tried him at nose tackle, and it really didn't work all that well. You know, despite all of his size, that just isn't who he is. Yes, he is big. Yes, he is powerful. But Dalvin Tomlinson is just a better nose tackle than he is. You know, he has a better understanding of leverage and better balance and you know all those things that you need to kind of win those heavyweight, super heavyweight wrestling matches. Lawrence is, his strengths are just being explosively powerful and overwhelming offensive linemen. And I think that is something that will play to the play well to this defense where who knows, you might only have one down lineman, but if that one down lineman is more powerful than any of the offensive linemen, that's, that's something an offense has to worry about and account for. And that could create opportunities for 
whoever else happens to be going downhill on that play. And what Patrick Graham likes to do, and you talked about the one down lineman situations, is he'll tend to have one to two linemen actually playing on the line of scrimmage, and then he'll use linebackers with diverse skill sets, shift them around, move them in and out of gaps before the ball's even snapped, and then set everybody free. So the offensive line doesn't have time to say, all right, we're picking up this guy, we're picking up that guy. Instead, you watch the offensive line, and they're just looking around like, which guy do we have? Which guy do we have? And then just waiting and hoping that they decide to slide in the right direction and pick up the right guys. That leads to a lot of free rushers. And I think the deal with Dexter Lawrence is that you let all these fast, athletic, defensive uh, playmakers, linebackers that the Giants do have tee off. And then Dexter Lawrence in the middle can be that guy that overpowers guards and centers and create that upfield pressure. The way that you create sacks and also incompletions, poor decisions from quarterbacks, isn't always just one guy bending off the edge and and coming home and making the play. We see that with Von Miller, but the Giants don't have a guy like Von Miller or Jadeveon Clowney. Instead, they've got diverse different pieces that can do different things. And the way that you can close down the pocket is crushing different points in it and collapsing it in various spots. And then once the a quarterback sees things closing down around him, very often they'll overreact. Unless it's one of the top guys in the league, even some of the top guys in the league will make mistakes in these situations where they will not be able to think clearly because when you see four to five guys coming right after you and coming to hunt you down, you can't really think very quickly. Uh, very clearly. So I think that that Lawrence has that overpower ability to to create that that perfect level of pressure up the middle and also work very well in pairing with with uh, Dalvin Tomlinson. Yeah. And I also think that BJ Hill might be getting a little bit forgotten in this conversation, but he has a similar skill set. I freely admit I slept on Hill during the draft a couple years ago. I didn't really look at him. I looked at you know, obviously Bradley Chubb. I looked at Contavious Street. I didn't really look at BJ Hill. But then after the Giants took him, I went back and looked at Hill's combine numbers, and they were actually eerily similar to Fletcher Cox, except that BJ Hill is a bigger dude. So he does have some of that same kind of skill set as Dexter Lawrence, as a bigger, more powerful defensive lineman who is surprisingly athletic. So having these guys who can, you know, look like, you know, big space eaters, but be used in stunts, twists, uh, maybe even rush them standing up, move them around, assuming that is the defense that Patrick Graham calls that we weren't actually seeing Brian Flores' defense with just, you know, Patrick Graham reading out of the playbook. If that is the defense Graham calls, the Giants do have a lot of options in their defensive tackle room to create confusion. Additionally, assuming that Patrick Graham, like I said at the at the beginning of this segment, was a lot of good coaches will work with the strengths of your personnel grouping. And I think that we probably won't see as much of this single to two defensive tackle looks with a lot of linebackers creating pressure. I think because of how deep the, uh, the Giants are at defensive tackle, they might be more willing to send some of those guys out there. So that's another thing to consider because you still also have Leonard Williams and there might just be too many heads to have the, they might as well say, say, all right, we're going to keep more defensive out uh, defensive linemen out there than we typically would because we have those types of players. But if we're projecting, Oh, wait, were you going to throw something in? Okay. Um, 
if we are going to project, though, the guys playing behind the defensive linemen, the linebackers, if we were to consider someone, all right, who works well with what we can see from what the Dolphins did last year? And if, if you go through the, the, the stats from last year for the Dolphins, there were a lot of weird guys that had underratedly productive seasons in terms of quarterback hits, tackles for losses. I mean, Taco Charlton got cut by the Cowboys, didn't even play a full season, and he was able to get five sacks. So, you know, no one had like I'm like a defensive player of the year type season, but there were some weird guys that had some pretty big stat numbers in some very specific categories that bring up some interesting question marks. So that leaves us to think, well, the Giants have more talented linebackers than the Dolphins did last year. And I think the first guy that comes to mind that's going to work really well with this is Lorenzo Carter. Yeah, uh, Lorenzo Carter is the guy I kind of, I've actually been thinking a lot about him lately. Going through doing the summer school series, we're going to be looking at uh, defensive fronts that are related to but different kind of evolutions of the classic 4-3 or 3-4 fronts. You know, right now I'm working on a piece on the bear front and that more or less eventually evolved into the tight front which is more or less the type of defense they played at Georgia. Well, that's also a front that Patrick Graham called quite a bit for the Miami Dolphins. And in that front, Lorenzo Carter was the Sam linebacker. He he wasn't an edge. And I think that's something we've kind of noticed over the first couple years of Carter's career is that he looked best when he was more or less playing as an off-ball linebacker. Yes, he is long. Yes, he has great athleticism, a great first step, but he almost looked more comfortable playing in space if he was like running with a tight end or a back down the field in coverage. He almost looked more comfortable doing that than firing off the edge, rushing the passer. I think that's because that's more similar to how he was used at Georgia. You know, he did rush the passer, but he only did so occasionally. There, he almost played slot corner as often as he rushed the passer. If that is indeed the type of some of the types of packages we see Patrick Graham call, because you know maybe he is more interested in creating confusion. You know, having a guy like Carter who can drop into coverage and be effective that could really help. I think from last year, if we're th- trying to consider who was one of the most improperly utilized guys, I think you have to talk about Lorenzo Carter because they saw a guy that was super athletic, didn't really have a pass rushing skill set, but decided to say, all right, we're going to we're gonna see what we can do with you. And I, I think that experiment didn't work well with strictly pigeonholing him as a pass rusher. I think you can use him as a pass rusher, like you talked about where he he did it sometimes at Georgia. And I think he's more experienced now, but I think the better way to go about it is using him as a blitzer, allowing him to play outside linebacker, allowing him to play in space. He's fast enough to do so. And he's done it before in his time in college. And from the stuff that we've talked about here with Patrick Graham, the way that he would work in these linebackers on clear passing situations is like we've said, a couple defensive tackles, and then moving around guys, shifting them around, having them bounce around different gaps, show that they're blitzing, drop back before the ball snapped to create some confusion. And the Giants right now don't have a clear-cut top talent as a pass rusher. So the way that the Giants are going to create pressure is causing confusion for 
average to below average offensive lines. Even good offensive lines you can confuse into making some mistakes and missing some players. And I think that what Carter does as a player, this works perfectly to his his ability and his strengths. Because the times that we saw Carter hit home and get those sacks were when someone missed him and didn't properly pick him up. We even saw Alec Ogletree do stuff like that. Whenever there were instances where these faster linebackers were set free, they were able to hit home and squeeze their way through a gap and go make a play. And Carter is fast enough, he's athletic enough, he's explosive enough to benefit from offensive linemen making mistakes. I don't think he's good, or not that he's not good enough, but I don't think he is seasoned and experienced enough as a pass rusher to win against a guy like Jason Peters one-on-one. He, he He's just not that type of a player. If you watched him try to pass rush, he just doesn't have that pass rushing arsenal. He looks like he's still figuring it out. But instead of forcing him and saying, all right, you're going to go out there and, and, and go figure this thing out and learn how to pass rush, why don't we say, all right, we're going to work with your strengths. We're going to move you around. We're going to put you in space. We're going to find gaps for you to hit. If not, we're going to drop you back in coverage. So uh, an offense, a quarterback, and the offensive line have no clue what you're doing and where you're going to be. And a lot of these guys coming in, a lot of these rookies, a lot of these free agents, kind of play around a similar skill set and a, a similar style of play to Carter, being able to do multiple things. But I think Carter has to be the most talented and the most promising one to work in this in these parameters. Yeah, you, know, you mentioned the rookies, guys like uh, Carter Coughlin or Cam Brown. They fit that mold as well. I think I think Carter, especially because of the draft pick spent on him, the Giants kind of have to get this right with him. They need to get him to be a consistently productive member of their defense. And I really do think the best way to do that is, and I've mentioned this before, is kind of make him into their version of Anthony Barr as an industrial-sized off-ball linebacker who is who has just rare athleticism, but can also be used as a blitzer. He can be used downhill. He can be used to create pressure as well as confusion. And honestly, I would be extremely shocked if Patrick Graham and Joe Judge decided to just continue to use him only as a pass rusher. I would be so shocked if they didn't try to find more and more ways for him to wreak havoc on opposing offenses. I, 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 There's no way with this progressive coaching staff that they wouldn't try and find ways to play to Carter's strengths. I, I would be incredibly shocked if they chose to just say, all right, Carter has played edge rusher and pass rusher these past few years. We're going to stick to that. We're going to see a completely different type of usage for Carter. They're going to use him in a way that we haven't even seen. And I think that if they use him properly, he could really, really tee off and finally hit what we've been talking about in terms of the, the talent level and the production that he's capable of. Yeah, I agree. He's almost like Evan Ingram in that exactly. We we expect to see him used differently. We hope to see him used differently. I think <laughs> we would be really disappointed in the Giants if they cannot figure out a new way to use him. If they really can't play to his athletic strengths. And I honestly think that this is going to be the year. This is going to be the time that in the right coaching staff to work well with both of those guys. And we're honestly, I'm going to be very closely watching to see what Carter does because I think he's passed to be one of the the most promising breakout players on this list. 
That's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in. As always, be sure to rate and subscribe and let us know what you think of the show. Any thoughts? If there's any topics that you'd actually like us to cover uh, during this off-season lead-up, like we've said, we're willing to be creative with it. If you have anything, feel free to shoot either of us a DM at Big Blue View. You can DM me at Joe DeLeon or Chris at Raptor MKII. You can also tweet at us if you'd like. Um, with any topics or anything that you'd be interested in hearing about us covering during this remaining phase of the preseason. Uh, In addition to that, also check us out on Facebook. Um, We're also going to continue on on Monday with our next position group preview, which should be the Bucks.